Well, hello everyone. It is so great to have you all here today. My name is Alex and I'm the student minister here at ABC and it's, I'm so excited to be speaking to you all today on this Easter Sunday and what an incredible service it has been already. Those stories were so inspiring and moving. I'm not really sure I can follow them to be honest, but I will try my best. Not only is it Easter Sunday today, but here at ABC, we're coming to the end of a series that we've been exploring over the past five weeks or so, which is all about who Jesus was and is and what he means for our lives today. And today I'm going to be looking at what I think is the most exciting and remarkable aspect of who Jesus is. And today, in fact, on Easter Sunday is a day when we celebrate that. Today is a day when we remember something utterly incredible and miraculous that happened here on earth nearly 2,000 years ago. It's an event that the whole of the Christian faith rests upon. It's an event that changed human history forever. And it has been remembered and celebrated, debated over and argued about ever since because what happened was far greater than anyone could have imagined. And it's something actually that came as a huge surprise to so many people at the time. Now, I wonder if any of you can remember the last time that something or someone uh, surprised you in a good way. And if you're here with a spouse or a family member, this isn't the time to give them a little elbow. But some of us may have those memories. Maybe you received a surprise gift. Maybe uh, it was a surprise party. I know not everyone is particularly a fan of those. But maybe you've had that experience where something turns out to be so much better than you imagined. I wonder how did that make you feel? I have this one quite vivid uh, memory actually from when I was a child, I was about five years old. Um, I'd been away on a holiday with my parents, we used to go camping and we, we went off camping in Spain this time and we used to drive out to our holidays so it's quite a long journey involved. And on this one occasion I remember we'd had a really nice time away and we were now on our kind of mammoth journey home. And at one point on this journey I remember uh, that we pulled off the motorway and stopped at somewhere that I thought was a petrol station, which wouldn't have been unusual, as you might imagine. We had many stops on our route. But actually, at this one particular stop, I was not in a very good mood. <laughs> I was pretty tired, I was grumpy, and I'd actually been glued to my Game Boy in the back of the car for hours. I loved this Game Boy, I'd just been given it by one of my older cousins who, no, who didn't want it anymore, so I thought it was the best thing ever, and I didn't want to be parted from it. So when we uh, stopped and my parents kind of urged me to get out of the car and get some fresh air, I uh, was pretty stubborn and grumpy and say that, no, I'd rather stay in the car, thank you. I wanted to finish the game that I was playing uh, and I was really in quite a grump at that stage. However, my parents became quite insistent that really I, I would want to get out of the car <laughs> and get some fresh air, but this only made me a little bit more grumpy and stubborn. <laughs> However, in the end, they persuaded me, and uh, in a bit of a strop, I got out of the car, making some remark about the fact that we were in the middle of nowhere, didn't want to be there, and that they were ruining my lives, probably. <laughs> However, once I got out of the car, and I began to look around, 
I noticed that we weren't actually at a petrol station. In fact, we were in this sort of huge car parking area, which seemed a bit strange. And dotted about, I could see sort of flags on flagpoles. And it looked like we might be somewhere a little bit more exciting than a petrol station. As I looked over in the distance, I could see some tent tops and uh, more flags and flagpoles and this sort of grand entrance sign. And I remember the moment when my parents looked at me and they said, have you guessed where you are yet? We were, in fact, at the Disneyland theme park just outside of Paris. <laughs> I, I feel a bit emotional now, wow. I could not believe it. I really, this was incredible. I, you know, I felt such a mixture of emotion. All at once, I was just incredibly excited. I was still a bit grumpy, and that's quite hard to shake off, isn't it? But I also was feeling a bit frustrated that I hadn't worked that out, even though I was quite young. I can only imagine how my parents must have felt driving me there. They must have been so nervous. You know, I imagine they were worried I would have seen one of the many signs that we would have passed to Dis uh, saying that we were approaching Disneyland. But fortunately for them, I had been so engrossed in my Game Boy that I hadn't even looked out of the window once. And that is the truth. So I had absolutely no idea where we were. And for me and for my parents, I don't think the surprise could have gone much better because I was completely in the dark. It was not at all what I was expecting. And uh, because of that, it is a memory that will stay with me, I think, for the rest of my life because it was such an incredible surprise. It was an experience that turned out to be far greater than I could ever have imagined. And that's a great feeling, isn't it? And today, as I've mentioned already, on Easter Sunday, we remember an incredible story where the element of surprise could not have been more dramatic or significant. It's a story that took place around 2,000 years ago in the city called Jerusalem in the Middle East, in the country that we know today as Israel. And we kind of join in this story that's been reaching its climax in recent days over the Easter weekend, and we kind of join in at quite a sad and painful point in this story. Because just days ago, uh, on what we call Good Friday, we remember how a Jewish man called Jesus was arrested, falsely accused, and sentenced to death on a Roman cross, which is one of the most painful and torturous ways to die. You know, people had different views about this man and who he was. Some thought of him as a rabbi, a sort of religious teacher. Others saw him as a miracle worker, a healer, and they would flock to see him. And there were those particularly religious leaders who saw him as a rebel and a radical, someone that was a problem and needed to be got rid of. And in fact, that's largely why he was arrested and killed. However, there were others who saw that there was more to this man, that he was more than just a teacher and a healer. And in fact, they believed that he might just be the son of God, the long-awaited Messiah, a savior, in fact, that people from the Jewish faith had spoken about centuries of the Bible. You know, it's interesting that we heard from Molly's story about her sort of journey to faith and to Judaism, but that is part of our history as Christians. 
So whatever people believed about this man, and views were many, one thing was true. He was now dead, and his body had been placed in a tomb, and a huge heavy stone had been rolled across the entrance to seal it. Those who knew and loved him, those who followed him, were now completely distraught, and their hopes were buried in that tomb with Jesus. After all, he was meant to be their saviour, but now he was dead. Could you imagine the disappointment? Could you imagine how they might be feeling? And to make matters worse, they weren't able to prepare Jesus' body for burial, which was custom in those days, because actually, this, when Jesus died that evening, there was a start of a religious sort of day of rest, a holy day, a Jewish holy day called Sabbath. So they couldn't do anything the following day. And those close to Jesus had to wait to do this very special act. And we find, actually, that it's a group of women who take this task upon themselves. So they get up early the following day, and they head off to the tomb where Jesus' body is laid. This must have been a really difficult journey for these women. You know, they would have been grief-stricken and full of sadness, but they were going off to visit someone that they loved and who had now died, and all the emotions that come with that. And on top of this, the women faced a significant problem. They knew that there was this huge, heavy stone that sealed the entrance and that they wouldn't be able to move it or roll it away. And from one of the accounts that we have in the Bible of this event, it's an account written by a man called Mark, we read that as the women are on the, on the journey, they ask each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? They knew that they were going to need help. I can't imagine, actually, how they, that they were feeling particularly hopeful at this point in their journey, but I love that they still go anyway. And when they arrive at the tomb, the scene is not as they had imagined. They are in for a big surprise, in fact. And in Mark's account, we read that when they got to the tomb, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Impossible. They must have been wondering how this had happened. Had they got there too late? Had others got to the tomb before them, perhaps? It certainly wasn't clear how this was possible. But there is another surprise in store. Because the account goes on to say that as they entered the tomb, expecting to see Jesus' body laid to rest, Instead, they were greeted with a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and understandably, they were alarmed. This sort of male figure is, is sort of a sort of angelic figure, perhaps. He speaks to the women and he says, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen he is not here. See the place where they laid him. And presumably, or I like to imagine that the women would have looked over in the tomb to the place where the body should have been, but there was nobody there. And then this sort of figure tells the women that they're to go to tell Jesus' other disciples and then to go to Galilee, a place nearby where Jesus will meet them. 
I just can't really get my head around what this experience must have been like for these women. How would they have been feeling at this point in the story? You know, they set off earlier in the morning, hadn't they, on this journey, full of probably doubt, sadness, sort of full of grief and pain. And then they'd been met by something unbelievable, something that is impossible, in fact. And their hopeless journey has brought them to this unexpected place where their sorrow turns to joy, their disbelief to hope, their despair to faith. This must have been a greater outcome than they could have possibly imagined because Jesus is no longer dead, but alive. I think these women would have known in their hearts that Jesus really is the Son of God, that he is God in human flesh, because no human being is able to perform such a miracle. No one but God can overcome death in this way. And I imagine then the women running off from the tomb, probably full of excitement, but also bewilderment. And they go off to tell the other disciples, and then together they journey on to this place, Galilee, where they do, in fact, meet Jesus, and they see for themselves that he is alive. And you can read that in the accounts we have in the New Testament part of the Bible. And because of this, in fact, this is how the Christian faith all started. Not just because one man died on a cross, You know, many people throughout history have died for their beliefs, haven't they? But because this one man was raised to life again, and because this one man was no ordinary man, but he was the Son of God. He was God himself in human flesh. And God chose to step into the mess and into the pain of humanity. He didn't have to, but he chose to. And he chose to take on death itself so that we might be saved from it. Not from physical death, that is a fact of life, we all have to die. But he came to save us from spiritual death. And in fact, Jesus' resurrected life is the hope and the promise that we can hold on to. It tells us that death doesn't have to have the final say in our lives. It tells us that we have a future and a hope that is far, far greater than we could ever imagine or even dream of. You know, it's far greater than a Disneyland to a five-year-old girl or even a grown-up woman. I would still love to go to Disneyland again. It's far greater, in fact, than an empty tomb to a group of Middle Eastern women. It's far greater than just one man raised to life because Jesus made the way that all could be raised to have eternal life with God. And that is our future hope. And that is what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. And in fact, that's what we celebrate every day of our lives if we're followers of Jesus. And it's what our faith is all about. And faith is not necessarily something we can see or hold on to, but it's what we believe in, isn't it? It's what we hope for and we believe one day we will see. You know, this Easter Sunday story is an amazing story, isn't it? 
maybe you're, you're sitting here or watching it thinking, it's a great story, but it's a little bit unbelievable. But here's the thing. We can read the accounts and we can hear the stories, but unless we believe that they are true, then they will be nothing more than stories. We have to decide what we think about who Jesus is. This is what this series is all about. God won't force us to believe. You know, we've heard all about that today, haven't we? And these amazing testimonies and stories. Thank you, Margaret and Molly and Holly. We've heard these stories of how Jesus transforms lives, not in the past, not 2,000 years ago, but here and now in the present. And that's amazing, isn't it? But they made that decision for themselves. They decided what they would believe about who Jesus is. And would this kind of transformation be possible if Jesus was little more than a Jewish teacher that walked the earth some 2,000 years ago? What if Jesus really was raised from the dead? What if he is spiritually alive with us today and he wants to offer us life with him and eternal life with God? What if Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life, as Molly said so amazingly in her story today? And if Jesus really is greater than we could ever possibly imagine, what would this mean for our lives today? What will you decide? Let's pray. Loving God, I just thank you for for today and just to hearing all about your love for us through your son, Jesus. Whatever we think or believe about Jesus today, I just pray that our hearts would be open to know you, not just intellectually, not just hearing stories, but to know you from our hearts as we know each other, as we know people that we love. Lord God, I, I believe you just want to be in relationship with each of us and you have made a way for that to be possible. And I know that you invite us with open arms and with a loving heart today and you take us as we are and you love us as we are. So I just pray as we continue in sung worship, just that our our minds will be turned to you, our hearts will feel your presence and feel your love that we might know and decide in our own hearts who Jesus really is and what he means to us. Amen.